welcome to the Destined for Success podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Takagi, and this podcast used to be called New Manager Media, Managed Right from the Start. Many of the concepts are the same, but there's a little shift. There's a shift because I know we are all destined for success, and I want to help you find the fastest, smoothest way to reach your highest best as quickly as possible. Join me in today's episode where you're going to come up with new ways to build your skills and influence others to make the impact you desire to make. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Welcome to Destined for Success. I'm your host, Jennifer Takagi, and I'm so excited today. I am in a fabulous networking event called Potapalooza, where I have the opportunity to learn from other podcasters, meet amazing people who have amazing information, amazing stories that I would have never been able to connect with. And Mm -hmm. I'm so excited because I have Candice Plateau. Did I get it right? Close enough. Close enough. (laughs) It's not platter. I know it's not platter. Plateau. Um, And Candice is going to talk to us about addiction and being the loved one of somebody who's addicted, her journey, her story uh, to help us all. Candice, thank you so much for taking the time to play with me for a little while. Well, thanks, Jennifer. Thanks for taking the time to play with me. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey and your journey to success and obviously some bumps along the way. Yes, I've had a few bumps. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> well, I think the, the relevant part started in the early 70s when I was in my 20s. Um, I can see people doing the math. Um, and I, I was um, on a cross-country trip and I suddenly developed some really severe symptoms. I thought it was food poisoning, those kinds of symptoms, and it never ended, it never stopped. So it was very difficult to be on a car trip going across a continent, you know, with those symptoms. And um, for the longest time, the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. They told me it was all in my head, which was not the case at all. And after a while, they just started giving me a lot of addictive medications. Addiction wasn't on the radar then, the way it is today. So they were giving me Valium and Codeine and Oxycontin and all those things, because what they finally diagnosed me with was Crohn's disease. At the time, nobody knew what Crohn's disease was. Most people know what it is now. It's an inflammatory bowel disease. So for... um, for about 15 years, I was actually, I would consider myself to have been an opioid addict. I was totally addicted to those drugs. Anybody's body would have become addicted to those drugs. And mine definitely did. I smoked a lot more pot than I was doing before. I was recreationally smoking. You can become addicted to pot. Um, and, you know, it just, it was a terrible, terrible time for me, very sick, very depressed, very upset. Um, My life just blew apart with Crohn's. Um, And I got to a point where I was suicidal. I just didn't want to live the way I was living anymore. 
So I, I reached out for help instead of swallowing the pills I was going to swallow. Those were my two choices at that point, reach out for help or kill myself. And uh, spent some time in, um, in a psychiatric ward in one of our local hospitals. I'm in Vancouver, Canada, most beautiful place in the world, I think. Um, and, and then that was the beginning of my recovery because I understood that I was addicted and I needed to do something about that. So in July coming up, I will be 35 years clean and sober. And I've worked in this field for the last 30 years. And I work specifically with, um, with the families of people who are struggling with addiction because there's so little help for them out there. There's so little help. There's a lot of help for addicts, lots of detoxes and rehabs, and you know, but there's hardly anything for the people who struggle and suffer right along with the people who are addicted. So that's what I do. That's, that's a very nutshelled version of how I got to be where I am today. I have not always been successful, you know? And, and so I have so much gratitude today for being where I am and for the choices that I made every day to get me to where I am. I, I love that you have... <laughs> Uh, support information things, which I want to get into a little bit of that of what sure. of what services you provide, but for the family members because you don't know what to do, you don't know what to say. Um, if somebody starts using again, like they they've stopped and they start using again, <laughs> and there's that whole guilt, like if I had not said this, if we hadn't had that argument, you know, people end up taking it on themselves. Like, yep, I am not the one with the problem but I now have a problem because I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And there are, there are things that people can do that (laughs) they're not doing that they're not doing because nobody's told you what to do. Nobody's been working with you. And, and one of the reasons for that is that the, the families, the loved ones often struggle in silence with this. They're so afraid of being judged, they so, they just feel so ashamed that they have an, an addict in their lives. And you know, I just want to say to anybody who's in that situation that there are a gazillion families all over the world in exactly your position. And we all know, we all understand you. And definitely in my company, love is my company's called Love with Boundaries. We get it. And we hold your hand through this whole process and we teach you how to stop enabling. And I just, I'll define that in a minute. We teach you how to stop enabling and to learn how to actually help the situation. So if, if I could just, um, I really like simple definitions. So my definition for enabling is when you do things for somebody else that they can and should be doing for themselves. So when we do that on a consistent basis and we put our own needs on the back burner, but we keep trying to do everything for everybody else, it's a lose-lose at its finest. Okay, I, I, want, that, I want that repeated. Hang on one second. Okay. Um, I'm an avid note taker, so I'm, I'm trying to sure. catch what you say, uh, just because that's who I am. That's how I roll. So when you enable someone, 
when you enable someone, you're doing for them what they can and should be doing for themselves. And should is not a word I use very often, but really, if, if, we, if we keep doing for others what they should be doing for themselves, we take away their own resiliency. We take away their ability to live in a world that really exists out there. And that doesn't help addiction. It keeps people stuck. When you enable somebody, it keeps them stuck. Why should they do anything different? If you're going to give them money, even if you know where the money's going, if you're going to do their laundry, if you're going to cook their meals, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to let them live in the family home and when they get angry, they punch holes in the walls and they don't have to contribute anything and they don't pay rent. And if that's going to happen, then why should an addict change anything that they're doing? It's too comfortable. <laughs> um. I, I have to chuckle a little bit because I, I had a friend in high school who talked about running away from home and my mom shook her head and goes, none of my kids ran away from home. It was too easy to live here. It was too comfortable. So I love that you said that. That reminded me of something my mother would have said. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And what, and you know, the thing that we need to do is love our addicts enough, love them enough to do what's right for them even when it's uncomfortable for us. And one of those things is to not make it so cushy for them. And sometimes, you know, sometimes the addict isn't living in the family home. Sometimes things get pretty bad for them um, and they're out somewhere on the street or something like that. And, and the message is, the message that we need to give them is we love you so much I love you so much that I'm not willing to support your addiction anymore. I, I don't want to see you live in addiction. It breaks my heart. I love you enough to say no to you, even if you don't like that. When you're ready for recovery, let me know, and I will be there as much as I can for you. I will support your recovery, but I will no longer support your addiction. That's because I love you, not because I don't. Wow. That's the message. And once that message is given to an addict, it's like they kind of sit up and take notice and say, oh, maybe I better change something here. This isn't really working for me anymore. So it's amazing when we work with the families and usually we have to start working with the families, the loved ones first, because the addicts aren't going to come to us and say, I remember being an addict, I would never have done that, come to us and say, please set some healthy boundaries for me. Thank you so much. I mean, that just doesn't happen. So, so we have to work with the family members around what they've been doing, how they can change that and make it healthier. Addicts need their families they really need their families, but they need their families to be healthy with them. So if, if I were in a situation and one of my loved ones had a problem with drugs or alcohol, like what would be my first step to like break that pattern of enabling? Because 
I mean, it sounds really good to say no, but saying no is really hard. So like, it is. It's hard. And first? It's, yeah. It's also scary for a lot of people. I mean, loved ones historically hate conflict. Yeah. Right. And when you say no to an addict, that's what you're going to get is conflict because it's been said that no is the word that addicts hate the most. So um, I think, you know, a first step might be it's different for every family, but a first step might be to sit that person down and say something similar to what I've just said. I love you so much and I'm seeing that you have a problem. And I know you probably don't want me to say this to you. I know you probably don't want to hear this, but I love you enough that I want to say to you, I'm here for you if you want help. I'm here for you. You know, let me know when you're ready for that. Instead of trying to help, trying to help, trying to help when an addict doesn't want you to, that becomes enabling. And it doesn't usually work very well. So what is your program? What are your services? You're in Canada. <coughs> Pardon me. But I work, I work globally. I, you know, Zoom has been a godsend for that. I have clients all over the world. I have clients in Egypt and England and, you know, Japan and all over the place. Um, so I have a team of, of therapists that work with me. And what we do is we... Uh, we have a three-month program. Uh, we have two programs. One is for individuals because every once in a while we get somebody with not a lot of family that, that wants to be involved. Uh, and we also have a family program where we work with everybody in the circle of love, as we like to say, anybody that's affected. Because when there's addiction in a family, Everybody is affected and everybody needs to heal. Not everybody's willing to do the work, but everybody needs to heal, including the addict, of course. So we start with the family. It's counseling. It's therapy. It's, um, you know, it's teaching people how to shift from enabling into the things that actually help. We look at what is your fear of conflict? Why are you saying yes when you mean no? We'd look at self-respect and what's keeping you up at three o'clock in the morning, if you've even slept at all. You know, we look at those things. We teach you how to be healthy in these situations because we, we can be healthy in relationships with addicts if we have the boundaries. So again, my, my, my company is called Love With Boundaries because it's so important. So we teach people how, how to set boundaries. What are your boundaries? How do we language that? What are the consequences that, co that go along with, what if he doesn't do that? What if I tell him he has to do that and he doesn't do that? Well, there are consequences, not punishments, but consequences that come for all of us when we you know, deviate from what we have to do. Um, so we, we hold people's hands through this. We take you on this journey and it's just such an amazing journey. And as the loved ones start getting healthier, usually so do the addicts and we can stop addiction. I absolutely believe we can stop addiction. I, 
uh, one other point of our program is that I do not believe what many addiction people believe, which is that addiction is a disease that we're powerless over because I have a disease that's supposedly incurable. I'm much, much better because I take care of myself, but mm. you know, I can't just say to myself, gee, I think I just won't have Crohn's anymore. I wish I could, but I can say that with addiction. And I did say that with addiction. And one day at a time, one choice at a time, 35 years, I'm clean and sober. So it's doable. People don't have to relapse. I'm absolute proof of this, that people can change. But I'm not powerless over this. I have choice every single nanosecond. And I, so does everybody else. Anybody else that's trying to stay clean and sober, it's the same for anybody. And it's the same for the loved ones because there's a, a buzzword um, in our lingo of codependency. Mm -hmm. Codependency is when you put your own needs on the back burner and you are catering to other people instead. And if you're doing that on a fairly consistent basis, then you're codependent. And I see that as an addictive behavior as well. What are you hiding from? What won't you face? So we need to face what, what's there for us so that we can heal. And then we can role model that for the addicts in our lives. And so are your programs like... Um an individual or a family with one therapist? Is there like online training so that people can get like the basics and the background to know like kind of a little bit of like what's next? Well, we, you get one therapist, you have one dedicated therapist to work with you throughout the three months. And sometimes families need to work with us a little bit longer than three months because some <laughs> of these things take, depends on the family and what's going on. Um, but you have the same therapist. I supervise everybody and, you know, I've trained everybody to work with my method and um, the results are just astonishing. I mean, you know, if, if people um, basically do what we suggest, which is hard for them sometimes, then they get the results. We've got, I'm working with one family that um, has a 35 year old son who's drinking a 26er every day. And there haven't been boundaries in this family. There are starting to be boundaries now because they're working with me. And they have a family business. And this young man has been working in the family business. And he's saying, well, maybe I'll go to detox, but I'm not going to rehab and you can't force me, you can't make me. No, you're right. We can't make you. We absolutely can't make your choices for you. But we can set a boundary saying you no longer work for us in the family business until you have successfully done detox and rehab. Once you've done that, we welcome you with open arms. You can come back. So it depends on the family. It depends on what needs to happen. But the boundaries need to be there because without them, the addict gets stuck in the addiction. And we need to love the addict enough to help them get unstuck. Sometimes that means we have to get unstuck. So if someone wanted to get hold of you or your company, do you have a book? Do you have a website? Do we go? I do. Yeah. Yes. 
Um, this is this is my one of my books. I have three books, but this is one of them. Loving an Addict, Loving Yourself, the Top 10 Survival Tips for Loving Someone with an Addiction. And if, uh, if you go on my website, which is www.lovewithboundaries, all one word, lovewithboundaries.com, you can do two things that, that will probably help you right off the bat. One of them is you can download a free chapter from my book. So you can get a taste of it. You can see what I'm talking about. And the other is we offer free 30-minute Zoom consultations to see if we're a fit for you, if you're a fit for us, see where you are in your journey. Um, there's no obligation whatsoever. All you have to do to qualify for... Uh, for a free consultation is to fill out a short questionnaire, just giving us a little bit more information. And the minute that you submit that to us, I mean, as soon as we get it, we're going to get back to you to set up this call because we know that addiction doesn't wait for anyone. It just gets worse. If you don't do something about it, it's progressive. It just gets worse. So we reach out to you right away. I have a wonderful, wonderful intake worker who, who, who does that. Um, and then we, if, if you want to continue with us, we decide who your therapist will be and, and we go from there. If you don't want to, that's absolutely okay. Well, I love this. And I, I love that you simplified some language for us enable we heard, we hear the word enabler all the time, but I, I love the fact that it's, um, a situation of they should and can be doing this themselves, but we're doing it for them. And then yep. on codependency, when we put your need on the back burner consistently and always, because those are the kind of things that come up. And for our listeners, we're looking to be successful. We want to be successful. Sure. And it could be that we're the one that has the problem. And I hope if so, that this episode touches you to make different choices and understand you're not a victim to this. It's time to step up and own it. You're not a victim and you're not alone. You're not alone. I know there's not a lot of help out there for you, but we are here and we understand you. We get you. We know what we need to do. We'll help you. And, and if you're a loved one, you're going to see yourself on so many of the pages of my book. It's just, you know, lots of case studies and, it's, it's a simple book. It's simply written. I, I made sure of that. So it's, it's not like a big textbook or, uh, I think, I think it's a very helpful book for a lot of people. Oh, I just love that. Candace, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and your journey. It was quite the journey. And now you're able to impact and assist in lives of thousands and thousands of people on a, on a consistent basis. Thank Thank you you. so much for your time for our listeners. I will have links to Candace's information in the show notes. So click those notes. And if you want to talk to me, be sure to book a discovery call. Let's talk. I look forward to connecting with you all soon. Thanks Candace. Thank you very much, Jennifer. Bye everyone. taking your time to spend with me on this latest podcast of destined for success. 
please take a moment to leave a review, share it with a friend, and subscribe and get the newest episodes every Monday morning. I'm Jennifer Takagi, and I look forward to connecting with you soon.